Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on June 16th. Frank Stample joined by Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Today on the show is Dylan Cease back. Week 13 sleepers and two start pitchers. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. So all of our live pods are... FBT after dark, right? We record really late. This one might be FBT at sunrise, Scott. It's uh, <laughs> it's been a pretty late week for the boys, man. Yeah, well, I'll take the blame today. I've had I've had one of those weeks where it feels like I uh, I got behind at the start of the week, and so every day I was just behind, and I never was able to close the gap. And uh, so here at the end of the week, I was. You know, kind of flying through the box scores at the last minute, trying to get ready for this podcast. We'll see how it goes. I, I imagine it'll go fine, but it, it it pushed back the start time. So I'll take the blame today. I, I can't take the blame for yesterday. You were telling me that was <laughs> the problem as well. No, I mean, look, once in a while, it's it's all right for you to do. I mean, every night it's basically me, right? It's I'm trying to collect all this data and these late night games and stuff. And so we're starting pretty late. We do appreciate everyone hanging out with us live, but let's jump in. You can put it on the board, yes, yes. Let's start things off with 
Dylan Cease. A tough luck outing at the Dodgers. Five and a third innings, two runs, three walks to 10 strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. He actually left in the sixth inning with two runners on base. Ronaldo Lopez came in. Uh, I think he gave up another hit and then a grand slam, which tied the game at the time. So two runs charged there to Dylan Cease, but he limited the hard contact against a tough Dodgers lineup, only three hard hits allowed. And over Dylan Cease's last three starts, he has 23, 14, and 17 swinging strikes during that time. So the slider is slowly getting better. He's still walking too many batters. Uh, but I've been encouraged, Scott. I, I think I've been the low guy on Dylan Cease. I've been ranking him closer to the top 30 starting pitchers, right around that 30 range. You know, I saw this start. I moved him back up a little bit, but... I think this is a really encouraging stretch. It has come, you know, two of those starts are against the the Marlins and the Tigers. So, you know, maybe you take it with a grain of salt, but this is what we need to see. We need to see more whiffs and it looks like it's starting to come around for Dylan Cease. Yeah, it does. And look, the walks are probably always going to be an issue. He's 27 now. I don't, I don't know that that's, that's a hurdle he's ever going to clear. Uh, even last year, as good as he was with the ERA and the low twos. Dylan C still issued 3.8 walks per nine, which is very, very high. Led the majors with 78 walks. So it's it's part of his game, and we understand that. But as I was saying earlier in the year uh, when he wasn't getting so many whiffs, if, if he's not going to be an elite bat misser with that, that like built-in control issue, then it's going to lead to some real problems. So the last three starts, as you point out, it seems like he's gotten back on track in terms of in terms of dominating like with the stuff the stuff seems to be working like it did last year and you know even the year before when he had a 391 ERA and as I think Chris you and I all said coming into the season we think probably the true version of Dylan Cease is closer to that 2021 version with the 391 ERA than the 220 ERA we saw last year. Right now his ERA is at 431. So I do expect more regression still. But I don't know that he's going to be quite an ace either. Uh, just because that that 2022 season just it seemed like everything went as well as it like it was his 100th percentile outcome. Everything just came into place perfectly to, to give us the best Dylan Cease that could possibly be. And uh, this year's probably going to remain a bit of a step back, but definitely uh, trending the right direction. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that we're going to get an ace outcome moving forward for Dylan Cease, but for a lot of this season, he's been flat out unusable. He's been hurting your fantasy team. So if we can get him back to a borderline SP2, high-end SP3 range, then uh, I think most people would welcome that at this point for Dylan Cease. Wanted to bring up a few hitters, Scott, that, uh, like Dylan Cease, have been getting back on track recently. Manny Machado, uh, in the month of June, is batting 320 with three homers and an 886 OPS. He went two for five with his eighth home run of the season on Thursday. Jose Ramirez went three for four with two RBI and his sixth steal also in June, batting 333 with four homers and a stolen base. Uh, Trey Turner went two for five with an RBI and his 12th steal. And in the month of June, 316 batting average, two homers, five steals, and an 872 OPS for him. Uh, before we get to your oh my goodness gracious player, Scott, anything you'd like to add on those three? I mean, you know, 
These were players drafted in the top two rounds. I think we expected them to come around eventually. Machado, J-Ram, and Trey Turner. Never doubted any of them. Fair enough. Never did. Nothing else needs to be said. All right, you're oh my my goodness gracious player of the night. My oh my goodness gracious player of the night, I believe, is the Olive Garden breadstick of the day. If, if... If I dare say so, Frank. I don't know why you didn't take it, you fool. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Taj Bradley. Taj Bradley was setting Twitter abuzz this afternoon. I say tonight, but it was actually the afternoon when he pitched. He struck out 11. 11 strikeouts he had. But he ended up exiting after only four and a third innings. So, you know, a little good news, bad news situation. It, it looked like he was cruising there for a while and then ran into trouble in the fifth, got got pulled. But I, I, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about in this start nonetheless. Of course, it, we, we were just talking about Tosh Bradley. It was earlier this week, right, where we were ranking some of the rookie pitchers. And we weren't ranking all of them, but... You know, we were talking, who would you rather have rest of season and included guys like Tanner Bybee and who else was in there? Uh, a bunch of B names. Bobby Miller, Bobby Bryce Miller. Miller. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's maybe something Maybe something we should have said at the time is that for, for most of that group, it's close enough that one start like this could shift things pretty dramatically. I think this start from Bradley is enough to favor him maybe over Bryce Miller and and um, Tanner Bybee now. I mean, Bybee's been pretty underwhelming in terms of the missed bats. Uh, Taj Bradley, for what it's worth, had 17 swinging strikes on 88 pitches. Maybe the most impressive stat of the day, 79.9 mile per hour was the average exit velocity 79.9 about as good as it gets he did end up walking three and you know it's worth pointing out he was facing the athletics so favorable matchup almost triple a lineup but hey he was having his struggles even against actual triple a lineups so let's not discount it he looked really good uh I think what he's going through now is a lot of just trying to figure out how to arrive at the right pitch mix. You know, he has a few different weapons he can use rather than being one of those prospects that has just one like amazing pitch that he can lean on. Bradley has a fuller arsenal and just, you know, finding the right method of attack for hitters, which is often something we see from pitchers his age. I don't think he's suddenly like a must-start option now, but I'm I'm certainly more, um, more optimistic about his his immediate future than I was earlier this week. The strikeouts were amazing: eleven strikeouts, seventeen swinging strikes, but still three walks. Couldn't even qualify for a win in this game. Four and a third. So that's why I don't know. I guess I was a little bit more down on the start from Taj Bradley. I that's what he showed all year, right? Like he gets whiffs, he gets strikeouts, but. You know, the control has been a problem since returning from the minors, has given up a lot of hard contact, not in this start, but leading up to this start he has. So I still kind of worry about, you know, how, how many, how often is he going to go six, even, even well, you know, five how many innings? times he's like, gone six so far? How many is that? Zero. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't, I don't think we're going to get many quality starts at all. So that was true for Yuri Perez, though, until 
Wednesday when he went six for the first time. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, okay. So I don't want to, I don't want to swing back all the other way too. I mean, how many of these guys are for sure locked in as, you know, integral parts of your fantasy pitching staff? Not many of them. I think it's Bobby Miller. Yes, I think has just recently emerged as part of that group and could easily drop out of it if if things take a turn for the worse. Uh, who else among the rookie pitchers? I think that's just it. I think it's only Bobby Miller. Okay. So, like, yeah. for a while, we probably trusted Bryce Miller on that level, like, pretty much starting him every week. And I was pretty close there on Tanner Bybee for a while, too. But Miller fell off dramatically. Bybee's just been kind of meh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they all remain... They, they all have intriguing enough characteristics that in a pitching poor environment you're going to want to like really latch on to the the positive traits and hope it turns into something more consistent and i'm just saying it's it's been a while since we've seen anything of this positive from Taj bradley so i'm i'm yeah. back to being hopeful for him when i earlier this week i was pretty down on him yeah uh, i guess i would put yuri perez in that mix too yeah. Assuming he sticks around. I mean, that's the biggest question mark right now. We just we keep hearing these rumors about when Trevor Rogers returns, they could send Yuri Perez down to the minors. But uh, yeah, I, w- I would probably include him in that mix with Bobby Miller as someone I pretty much just trust at this point. Uh, before we get into some other segments here, uh, every year our friends over at Fantasy Football Today, they put on a great event called the Draft-A-Thon. It's a whole evening dedicated to helping you draft a great fantasy football team and raise money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And that's where we come in. Uh, Up on eBay right now, there are a ton of fun listings, including a spot in one of our 2024 podcast listener leagues, a guest spot on the podcast, plus pre-draft Zoom calls with either Scott, Chris, or myself. Whichever one you want to bid on, you want to bid on all three, feel free to do so. Uh, So right now, you can go bid on whichever item you want to try and win most. All the proceeds going to St. Jude. So it's again, it's for a great cause. I tweeted all the links out from the FBT Twitter, at FBT Pod, but I also have each link in the podcast and the YouTube description. So again, there's a spot in the Listener League, a guest spot on the podcast, uh, and 2024 pre-fantasy baseball draft Zoom conversations with either Scott, Chris, or myself. So, uh, yeah, head on over and start bidding, whichever one uh, you'd like to be a part of. Speaking of FFT, Scott, Heath Cummings, who used to be a regular on this podcast, he asked us a fun question on Twitter tonight. Is Shohei Otani already the GOAT? And uh, hmm. I look, obviously he has more to accomplish, but whenever I talk to my friends and family and anyone brings up Otani, like, how good is this guy really? I say he's the most talented baseball player I've ever seen play baseball. Now, you know, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people that have seen more baseball than me in their lives. I'm what, turning 32 years old this year. But uh, yeah, I just think in terms of pure talent, he probably is the most talented player I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to know how to measure that because he has the talent of two, two really good players. Is he the best of all time at either one of those things? No. But he's one of the best currently at each of those two things. And that's nothing we've ever seen before. So, I mean, all time's a long time, especially (laughs) when you're talking about Major League Baseball. And so, like, if, 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 I don't know. I, I, I I understand the argument for saying yes to that. 
I would be inclined to say no to that. But what I have been saying for a couple years now is that going into each season, you're the somebody asks you to predict who AL MVP is. Maybe he goes to the NL next year, but whoever the MVP for Otani's league is going to be, the default answer should be Otani, unless he's showing obvious signs of decline because like he's contributing twice as much as any other player. And it's, you know, it, it, each of those individually would be an MVP candidate in theory. Yeah. And what did he do on Thursday? Otani tied the league lead with his 22nd home run. Another homer that goes to left center field off of a left-handed pitcher. He now has seven home runs in 14 June games. And he did that on a day where he was the pitcher and delivered a quality start. Six innings of two-run ball, only three strikeouts, but a 3.29 ERA and a 105 whip on the season for Shohei Otani. Uh, I don't want to pour cold water on the situation here, Scott, but are you worried at all about Otani, the pitcher? Because the swinging strike totals in the past three starts, 5, 10, and 5. And over his last nine starts, he has a 4.67 ERA. Your thoughts? Yeah, I just... Like, I get it. That's not good. But... On the pantheon of things to worry about, it seems very, <laughs> very low. All right. Uh, I would I'm say... Not, I'm just... In he'll, le- he'll, he'll probably be fine. <laughs> there, there are leagues where, you know, the, they separate the play, the hitter and the pitcher. So if, I think if you play on Yahoo, you might just have Pitro Otani and you might be wondering, hey, what's going on, man? Like the strikeouts are down and he hasn't, you know, been good since the start of May or whatever. Uh, as a pitcher, obviously as a hitter, he's really, really taken off. Uh, and we'll talk about him a little little bit later on just in terms of scheduling next week. But I think for the time being, you, you want to use Otani as a hitter the way that he is playing right now. Uh, so Otani's hitting a bunch of home runs. There's two players that I wanted to bring up that are really not hitting home runs right now, Scott. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he went two for four with three hard hit balls on Thursday, including one at 116.2 miles per hour exit velocity. Uh, he's batting 284. He only has nine home runs this season. He's on pace for 21 homers and 96 RBI. I mean, that is a letdown for a player who was... Drafted as a borderline first-round pick once again this season. Uh, And, you know, the more I look into it, Scott, I think he's a buy low right now because the ground ball rate is down, which is exactly what we want. The average exit velocity and the barrel rate for Vlad Jr. is actually closer to 2021 when he had that MVP campaign uh, or near MVP campaign um, than last year. So I'm based on the expected stats and everything. If anyone in your league is even slightly worried about Vlad, I would be looking to buy. Yeah, I mean, obviously we all have him ranked higher than how he's actually performed so far. So it's from that, in that respect, yes, he's, he's, we, we consider him a buy low. We think he's going to be better than he's been thus far. And the data all backs it up as you point out. And uh, pretty much like the expected stats look very much like his 2021 season when he was, the number one player in fantasy, even as a non-base stealer. I doubt he's going to get back to that form this year. I mean, maybe at some point in his career, he's still a very young guy. But yeah, Guerrero's numbers should be better than they are. And I think we'll see a correction over the course of the season. The other name is Wander Franco, who went three for five, which brings his batting average to 301. However, he has hit just one homer since May 10th. That is 32 games with just one home run for Wander Franco. And during that stretch, 
87 mile per hour average exit velocity. That's really middling. It's actually below league average, a 50% ground ball rate. Uh, and the early season breakouts got was Wander Franco lifting the ball more and hitting more fly balls um, and obviously uh, hitting for power. So any concern here mm. about the, the lack of home runs recently for him? Well, I don't know that my expectation for what he could do power-wise ever really changed that much. And so it stands to reason that he'll have stretches like this where he's not delivering much. What's really changed for me is that he's gone from being just like a a modest source of stolen bases to one of the best in all of baseball. I mean, when you improve a skill, when, you, when you're already a pretty good fantasy option and then you become... You, you add this, this this skill like at an elite level like that. I mean, he's on pace for, for what, almost 50 steals? Yeah, like 50, it's, 50, it's, 50 on the dot. <laughs> how many home runs, if, if you're going to hit for average, which Wander Franco, as little as he strikes out, is obviously going to do, how much power do you, if you're going to hit for average, you're going to steal 50 bases. How much power do you honestly need to be like a, a monster in fantasy? Uh, I think he has enough to do that. And um, I, I think I think the rate he's been on over his last 30 games or whatever will improve anyway. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, I, I am not poo-pooing Wander Franco. He's been amazing. I think I have him ranked as like a top five or six shortstop in the rankings. Um, but just something I noticed, he's on pace for 18 home runs, whereas earlier in the season, it looked more like a 25 to 30 home run profile. He's... Slow down just a bit. Let's take our first break, and when we return, we'll talk about A.J. smith Chavro at a really good start up against the Rockies. We'll do that right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome back, and a quick reminder to follow us on TikTok at tiktok.com slash at fbtpod, or just search fbtpod on TikTok. We usually take highlights of the podcast or interesting conversations. We cover them up with some highlights. We have some fun. So if you do dabble on TikTok, again, at fbtpod on there. Let's talk about A.J. Smith, Shaver Scott, who had a near-quality start up against the Rockies. Five and two-thirds, three runs allowed, six strikeouts, but 17 swinging strikes on 99 pitches. His velocity was up around one mile per hour across the board in the start. And we were talking beforehand about one of his pitches that looked very interesting. What do you got? Yeah, so, well, just to rewind a little bit here, 17 swinging strikes you mentioned first Smith Shaver in this start. Remember in his first start against the Nationals, he had just six swinging strikes on 86 pitches and uh, his average fastball velocity was 93 in that one. And, you know, he seemed to have a limited arsenal. So um, I think we're all kind of underwhelmed by what we saw, given how he just rocketed through the entire minor league system and the Braves who have a good history of, of uh, promoting these prospects early before they're even really that well-known and, and it goes brilliantly. And uh, we were, so we were hoping that's what would happen with Smith Shaver and, and his first career start while he didn't allow any earned runs left much to be desired. I'd say I did point out that in that start, even though he averaged just 93 miles per hour on his fastball, you look at what he was doing just in the minors this year, he was averaging closer to 95 in his starts. So maybe Maybe something was going on there. Uh, and when we saw him, Smith Shaver, get back to his usual velocity, things would improve. Okay. So fastball was up a mile per hour in this start. It was 94. So kind of split the difference. But not just that. Yes, he kind of revealed this much fuller arsenal that I didn't even know he had. I thought it was mostly fastball slider, sort of like Spencer Strider. So he got four whiffs on the fastball, four on curveball, three on the slider. And then six on the changeup, which according to Stackhouse, he hadn't thrown yet as a major leaguer in, in either his first long relief appearance or that first start. Six on the changeup, which he threw only eight times. All six times that a batter swung at the changeup, they missed it. It had a 100% whiff rate. <laughs> and it was, it, it was his, uh, of the 17 whiffs he had, the most came on that one pitch, even though he had, we hadn't seen it yet at the major league level, and he threw it just eight times in this game. So, A.J. smith Shaver, I suggest you throw your changeup more. Because <laughs> it seems like good things happen when you do. Uh, all in all... This is more like it, right? Like, if I was hesitating to add Smith Shaver because I wanted to see the stuff play, well, the stuff clearly played. Granted, Rockies on the road, bad lineup. Still, I mean, he faced a, the Nationals last time. You know, this was a lot better. So I, I definitely was impressed by what I saw from Smith Shaver today. And Smith Shaver is 69% rostered. He's at the Phillies next week. 
uh, three pitchers we talked about last night as potential waiver wire ads. And frankly, I think all three of those plus Smith Schauver are all very interesting, Scott. So ranking this group, it feels really tough. So uh, it's Smith Schauver, Garrett Whitlock, Ranger Suarez, and Reed Detmers. How would you rank that group of four? Well, it is tough. My rankings for next week specifically might be a little different if you're you're playing the streamer game there. Got a couple of these pitchers as uh, as part of my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week and Smith Shaver isn't among them. I'll point out who's he facing. Philly. In his net. Phillies? Yep. Okay. That's what it says on CBS at, at least. Mm. I mean, that, that way he wouldn't be bad. Okay. Anyway, rest of season. That's what we usually do, right? Yep. I will go. So I, I feel like they're all kind of in. Okay. We're seeing encouraging signs, but you still need to like prove it. I guess still have a lot more questions than answers about all of them. And so we're just kind of feeling them all out right now. Detmers less so maybe than the others. Detmers might have the most pure talent, but. Pretty much all season, he's done the same thing, and it's been pretty underwhelming. I know his last start was good. It was just the second time he went six innings all year, but I'm inclined to rank him at the bottom right now just because I feel like there's, I, I don't know, I, I, there's less mystery, at least in the present. So ahead of him, I will go Whitlock one, Smith Shaver two, Suarez three. Okay. I think I said yesterday that Detmers has the highest upside of that group, but he also he might have the lowest downside based on how he's pitched, you know? I, I think he does. It's just we have a lot. We've seen a lot more starts from him this year than those other three, you know? And it's yeah. for him to have one start where he lives up to the upside, what, 12, 13 turns into the season? I, I don't know. That's just not enough to move the needle for me. Okay, that's fair enough. Let's talk about Logan Allen, who... Uh, had another rough outing um, at the Padres. Five inning, uh, five runs allowed over three innings pitched. More walks than strikeouts in the start. Eight swinging strikes on 77 pitches. And his ERA is now up to 3.95. His whip is at 1.46. And he is down to 73% rostered. Does face the Oakland A's next week, so a pretty good matchup for him. Uh, Scott, would you drop Logan Allen for any of the names we just talked about? I would drop him for any of the names we just talked about. Although, I do have him as a sleeper pitcher for next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, Oakland has struggled against lefties. They're 25th in Woba. Again, that is Logan Allen. Three pitchers that had a bunch of whiffs. Doesn't matter for any of them. Yusei Kikuchi, <laughs> just okay. At the Orioles, four and two-thirds, two runs allowed, seven strikeouts with 19 swinging strikes. Paul Blackburn has actually been solid in three of his four starts, facing Tampa Bay, one of the best lineups in baseball. Five and two-thirds, three runs allowed, two of those earned, nine strikeouts with 17 swinging strikes. And then Matthew Boyd uh, at the Twins, six innings of four-run ball, eight strikeouts, and 19 swinging strikes. Scott, do any of these names matter? Boyd, Blackburn, and Kikuchi. I can't say I have a lot of interest in them as of now, but I am noticing, and I am continuing to watch them closely. I think for Matthew Boyd especially, because Matthew Boyd's swinging strike rate for the year, it's, it's over 13%. I mean, it's elite. Yep. 
and it's the best it's been since that 2019 season when he struck out 238 batters. He's always been kind of a curious pitcher. Uh, he's not allowing, you know, he still has a lot of home runs, not nearly as much as that 2019 season. But the results, you know, in terms of allowing runs and pitching deep into games, all of that, that has been not so great. So it's, it's not like I'm going to add Matthew Boyd on the swinging strikeout rate alone. But if he starts to have some success, it'll be easy to point to that swinging strike rate and be like, ah, see, this is why it was there all along. So I'm just keeping an eye on him. Keeping an eye on all three of these guys. Okay, let's move over to waiver wire hitters. And Jake Berger, one day after a double dong, went, I uh, haven't checked recently, but last I checked, he was one for four, hit his 16th home run, and had three strikeouts in the game. So the entire Jake Berger experience, 45% rostered, and Yoan Moncada actually went on the IL on Thursday. So it seems like Berger is going to be due for more playing time. Scott, I moved Berger up to 26th in my third base rankings. That's just behind... Brett Beatty, J.D. Davis, Anthony Rendon, okay, Brian Hayes. Does that sound like a good range, or should Jake Berger be higher than that? So you have him ahead of Brian Hayes? No, no, no. He's behind. Behind Beatty, oh. J.D. Davis, Brian Hayes. Oh, okay. Sorry, misunderstood. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine. That's kind of like the end of the third basemen that are uh, worth rostering, really, even in like a Roto League. So that's fine. I mean, Jake Berger's very interesting. Yes. And his playing time has been up and down. He is on, he is going through a stretch now where the White Sox are playing him more. So that obviously raises the interest level. But there are a few players who hit the ball harder than Jake Berger does. And I mean, the fact he has 16 home runs now for all the up and down playing time, I mean, that says it all, right? His hardest hit ball this year is 118.2 miles per hour, which I don't know exactly where that ranks, but I'm sure it's in the top five. I 100% think, dial max exit velocity. I think Chris Towers pointed out that he was one of three hitters with a batted ball over 118 this season, yeah. or one of four. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the expected, because he's hitting the ball so hard, even though he's striking out more than 30% of the time, the expected stats look great 275 XBA, 565 X slug. So I've been hope I've been hoping for a couple of years now that the the White Sox would give Jake Berger more playing time. It's mostly coming at DH, and that's always a little like, eh. you know, most teams don't like to clog up their DH spot with a single player these days. But well, you know what, Mokata just went on the IL, right? Uh, so that, Scotty, that, bad boy. I wasn't listening. <laughs> I said that. Okay. Well, that makes it easier. I, yeah. I could easily just stick him at third base for the first seat. But yeah, so definitely uh, Jake Berger is somebody to look into. Yep. Uh, Danny Jansen went three for four with a double dong, had four hard hits in that game. He's only batting 214 on the season, but has eight home runs in 39 games. He's 28% rostered. I just don't know if he's going to play enough, Scott. I feel like he should be ranked in the same range as like a Travis Darno. Pretty good when he plays, but... Seems like he's not an everyday player. Uh, would you take Jansen over any of Gary Sanchez or Mitch Garver? Those are two names that we were talking about yesterday as well. I'm not Sanchez right now. I yeah. mean, I don't have a lot of faith in Sanchez keeping this up long term, but it's hard to get excited about a player hitting 214 like Danny Jansen is, you know? And uh, so I would 
prefer Sanchez for right now. As for Garver, I feel like the playing time has really fallen off for him. Yeah, he started just three of the Rangers' last seven games. So I'll take Jansen over Garver, sure. Okay, uh, let's talk about two other hitters. Jake McCarthy went two for four with his 13th steal and in 18 games since coming back from the minors, he's batting 310 with 11 stolen bases. He's 53% rostered and Ezekiel Tovar went two for four with his sixth home run and since the start of May, he's batting 273 with all six of those home runs, three steals and just very quietly, that's like a 21 homer, 10 steal pace for Tovar. So he's... He's come around. He's obviously made adjustments. He's looked a little bit better. Um, Scott, mm-hmm. do you, should those names be rostered in more leagues? Uh, McCarthy's at 53%. Tovar is at 43%. McCarthy's mostly interested, interesting in categories leagues. So, you know, points leagues, particularly since they're usually three outfielder leagues, it's hard to see him, even at his best, being more than like a, you know, fringe starter type. So I don't know that he needs to be rostered in a ton of those. And if he's already at 53, that probably covers most of the Roto leagues. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he should, he should probably be rostered in closer to 65 than 53, let's say. But I wouldn't call Jake McCarthy like somebody who needs to be universally rostered. Mainly he's given you a good steals total, um, hopefully with a pretty good batting average and some very modest power. Though I don't think we've seen much of any power at all this year, right? No. And as for Tovar, maybe 43% is a little low too, but like what we're seeing from him here lately over these last 41 games since the start of May is, okay, so he's kind of started to produce like Bryson Stott. So I don't know. If, if that's what we were waiting for from Ezekiel Tovar, I'm a little underwhelmed. Yeah, I'm not saying he can't be useful, but he doesn't. He doesn't seem. We're we're still not really seeing a potential high end outcome from him. Okay, in deeper leagues, two names here: Matt Veerling returned on Monday, and over his last four games, has six hits and a home run. He's only four percent rostered. Mickey Moniak went three for four with his sixth home run, still batting three nineteen with a ten twenty eight OPS, but just doesn't play enough. He started five of the past eight games for the Angels. You know, 15 team, five outfielder leagues. Got anything here with uh, Veerling or Moniak? I mean, Moniak would be really interesting if he played more, but he and Taylor Ward are kind of robbing at bats from each other and, and both are performing well. So that makes it that makes it really tricky for fantasy purposes. It, it, I, I would just say it's hard to use Moniac right now with as little as he's playing. If that changes, maybe he becomes one of the most added players, but I don't think he deserves to be at the moment. And Veerling, uh, you know, he, he's kind of getting inconsistent playing time too. They're, gosh, they're playing a lot of Jake Marisnik, really? Jake Marisnik? You need defense. Come on, Tigers. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, he's less interesting than Moniac, I'd say. All right, let's hit some news and notes. Max Fried was recently cleared to throw short-distance bullpen sessions. He's been on the IL since early May with a forearm strain and is still over a month from returning. Max Muncy said that his left hamstring strain is of the low-grade variety. That came one day after it was reported as a grade 2 hamstring strain. 
Cody Bellinger and Byron Buxton were both activated for their respective teams. Buxton was batting cleanup, and Bellinger was batting sixth for the Cubs. Matt Olson was dropped to fifth in the Braves lineup, given his 228 batting average, but responded well by going two for four with his 19th home run. Scott, you're shaking your head. You don't you don't like the move? No, I'm fine with the move. It's just Matt Olson's batting 228 again. And I, I felt like I was promised by so many. I wasn't one. I, I guess I'm one of the people who should be promising things, right? I wasn't making this promise. But remember when at spring training, he was like the hottest player alive and batting 450. And yeah. A lot of people, many people were saying, this is it, Matt Olson. He's more comfortable in year two. He's going to be MVP candidate. And here it is halfway through the season. He's not even batting 230. I, I had a feeling that would happen. TBH. I have no shares of Matt Olson. And I'm not saying like he's condemned to finish with a batting average this low, but I I don't think we're seeing the 2021 Matt Olson again. I just I don't think it's there. Yeah. It feels like he should be hitting more like 240 at least or a 250. The power has still been tremendous. 19 home runs and oh, yeah. uh I placed a preseason bet on Matt Olson to lead baseball in home runs, so if we can get on a little heater here, we still got a chance for Matt Olson. Alec Manoa was slated to throw a five-inning simulated game at the Blue Jays spring training complex in Florida on Thursday. I couldn't find any updates on how it went, so I guess we'll have to wait to learn more about Alec Manoa. Despite dealing with swelling in his left ankle, Blake Snell has been cleared to start uh, Saturday against the Rays in a revenge game. D-backs manager Tori Lavulo did not commit to Ryan Nelson making his next scheduled start after allowing five runs on Thursday. Uh, perhaps Dre Jamison gets an opportunity to start. He threw two and a third shutout uh, in that same game. Or they could recall Brandon Fott, who recently had 10 strikeouts in his latest start at AAA. Any interest in either, Scott? Or do you have any kind of lean on which way this is going to go? Dre Jamison, Brandon Fott. I, it it is worth noting Brandon Fott wasn't doing particularly well before that latest start, so I don't know that I'd be that excited about him being about him coming back. I'm, I don't know that I'm excited about any of these three Diamondbacks rookies pitchers. Okay, Pete Fairbanks was activated and instantly picked up a save Thursday against the A's. Jason Adam was used in the eighth inning. Kyle Wright was cleared to begin a throwing program. He's been on the IL since early May with a shoulder strain. Zach Neto was placed on the IL with a left oblique strain. Andrew Velasquez started at shortstop. Yoel Moncada, as we mentioned earlier, placed on the IL due to the nagging back injury. Uh, the Rangers are hopeful that John Gray will be able to start on Sunday against the Blue Jays. He was scratched earlier in the week due to a blister. Alex Wood is likely to return from the IL and start Saturday against the Dodgers. Mike Clevenger has no structural damage to his arm after exiting a Wednesday start early. Tarek Skubal put together another strong rehab start this time at AAA. He went three scoreless with five innings. So uh, with three scoreless with five strikeouts, excuse me. Uh, if you do have an IL spot available, go ahead and add Tarek Skubal in the meantime. Some prospect notes, Christian Encarnacion Strand started in right field on Thursday. And this feels like the reason they haven't called him up, Scott. It has nothing to do with production or what he's done as a hitter. I just don't know that they have a place to play him regularly in the majors. And I don't think they want to call him up until they can do exactly that. So they're trying him in the outfield. 
you know, first base, third base, DH, those have been occupied recently. Uh, Joey Votto hit a home run in a rehab game on Thursday, so perhaps he's close to coming up. It's it's kind of messy right now. Well, you don't have a dedicated DH. You know, they have they have places they could play in Carnassian Strand, and we've seen Spencer Steer get a couple of starts in the but outfield. They used, Maybe they don't want to. They use Tyler Stevenson a lot at DH. You know, he they said yeah, before they the season it. he wasn't going to catch that much, and I, I it just seems but, like they want to stick to they that. They shun it. And I, the thing I is, agree like with the you, but con- that, that's not necessarily how they feel, I guess. The Reds are contenders now, too, is the thing. Like, they could, eat, they could take this division, uh, especially as their lineup keeps getting better because they're adding talent to it from their own system. And uh, Encarnacion Strand could only help with that. Like, I, I feel like he's going to do more for them than Joey Votto. Like the crazy thing about Encarnacion Strand, I, I wasn't on yesterday's show, but I, I tweeted about this and I wrote about it in the prospects report. Uh, let me see if I can give you the updated numbers. They won't include, not, not including Wednesday or Thursday's game anyway, provided they were playing. I don't even know if they were playing Thursday, but Encarnacion Strand. So his first 28 games at AAA this year, he had, Three walks to 36 strikeouts in those first 28. Three walks, 36. Last 16 games, 18 walks to 11 strikeouts. So it's it's completely, he's completely done an about face there with the plate discipline, showing more than we've ever seen from Encarnacion Strand in his minor league career. And you may remember, we saw... Something similar from Ellie De La Cruz in, in the weeks leading up to his promotion, and maybe that's what convinced the Reds to finally pull the trigger. I'm hoping the same is true for Encarnacion Strand. But beyond just that, beyond just, uh, wow, he's showing a lot more patience at the plate all of a sudden, he now has a batting average over 325 for his minor league career. I saw this from from Baseball America, actually. So over 325 in at least 800 plate appearances. Only 10 other minor league hitters have done that since 2010. 325 over 800 plate appearances. 10 other minor leaguers. And it includes names like Mike Trout, Vladimir Guerrero, Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez, and Jose Altuve. That's five of the other 10 who've done that. Wow. And, and others, I think, are like Luis Arise and, and Brandon Bell, like legitimate guys who went on to have like good major league careers uh, for pretty much all of them. And so like Encarnacion Strand is in rare territory for batting average, which is not even something we, we really associate with him. We just, we just think of him as this guy who hits the ball incredibly hard and out of the park. Uh, so in every way that a hitter can impress Encarnacion is doing in Encarnacion strand. I'm sorry. He's doing that. And like, it's just is ridiculous. Cause he, it seemed like he should have been the first up of all their minor leaguers <laughs> who, who were knocking on the door. And for weeks now we've been waiting for it to happen. That's what it felt like right during spring training, as well as he was hitting and you thought maybe there was a chance he could be on the opening day roster and, then he was dealing with an injury, but yeah, it's it is weird that they've taken this long uh, to call up CES. Matt Mervis was optioned back to AAA after hitting just 167 with a 32% strikeout rate, and I 
would be like looking to buy in Dynasty right now if you could. Uh, I know it was rough. I still have a lot of faith in this player. Someone who did not strike out this much in the minors and hit for a lot of power. Uh, hit for good batting average too. So I still have a lot of faith. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Scott will be looking to sell in the Dynasty League. I was, I was thinking about offers I could make to you earlier today. <laughs> when I... When I should have been going over the box scores, probably. That's what I was thinking about. How can I how can I make Frank an offer he can't refuse in a less literal sense than they mean it in the Godfather? <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it probably will not include all of Matt McLean, Brett Beatty, and Tanner Pybee Scott, but uh, you know. We'll talk. We'll be in touch. Grayson Rodriguez on Wednesday, his latest start at AAA. Six innings of two-run ball with 11 strikeouts. That's back-to-back starts with double-digit strikeouts down in the minors. He is, I think, 52% rostered. So, might want to stash him if you have a spot available. It's a little bit tougher because, obviously, Rodriguez would take up a normal roster spot and not something like an IL spot. And according to StatCast, he had 28 swinging strikes in that game, which is the most for any pitcher at AAA this year. Wow, awesome stuff. All right, let's take our final break. And when we return, our Week 13 preview here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Big thanks to everybody watching us live. We do appreciate you. It is very late here on the East Coast, so hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Our Week 13 preview, let's start with the schedule for next week. Five teams have five games. That includes the Cardinals, Cubs, Orioles, Angels, and Dodgers. 16 teams have six games, and nine teams have seven games next week. The D-backs, Red Sox, Royals, Marlins, Twins, Pirates, Padres, Giants, and the Nationals. As for the Rockies, they've got six games next week, only three at home, and those are against the Angels. 
starter sit these fringe two-star pitchers, and we'll start with Alex Cobb, who has been scuffling as of late. He's going up against the Padres and the Diamondbacks. I have him in the points league only section of the two-star pitcher rankings. I think he's good enough that you don't really think too hard about it in that format. But I'd be a little hesitant in categories leagues. What about his teammate Anthony DeScalfani? The same matchups? Yeah, probably not. He's been pretty bad lately. His ERA is up near four or five now with bad a bad strikeout rate. Yeah. Probably just going to pass on DeScalfani. Okay. Any interest in Michael Lorenzen versus the Royals and Twins? Mike Clevenger, who's kind of iffy right now. We don't know if he's going to go in the IL up against the Rangers and Red Sox and Cutter Crawford at the Twins and at the White Sox. No, not really. <laughs> Do you? Uh, Lorenzen with the one start against the Royals, I thought was kind of interesting, maybe in a deeper league sense, but... You know, 12-team points league. All, all the Probably wind appears, appears to be out of the sails there. Yep. All right. Uh, Two-star pitchers to add and stream. You have two, four, six, seven names here, Scotty. Who are they? Well, one is Garrett Whitlock, who we talked about a little earlier. He continues to get uncharacteristically high swinging strike numbers which with what appears to be uh, a new slider. With you know more more of a sweeping type of slider, and um, coming off a great start against the Rockies and a really good start the term before that too. His matchups this week are at the Twins and at the White Sox. Two middling matchups there. I think the kind of run he's on makes him a pretty good play. Ranger Suarez. The matchups are a little tougher here. Braves and Mets. Uh, the Mets are kind of a mid tier matchup, I would say. Suarez has also looked pretty different from when we last saw him. He is throwing a curveball more and a sinker less and getting getting more whiffs himself, mostly with that curveball. And uh, the great Lance Brozdowski pointed out after his most recent start that the location of his sinker has been quite a bit different than earlier this season and most of last season, which was kind of a disappointment for Ranger Suarez, you may remember. He was locating the sinker more up and in, and now he's attacking more on the outer part of the plate. And Lance Brozdowski thinks that might help explain why the curveball's been so effective. So uh, that's somebody else's analysis, but I think it's pretty good analysis. So Ranger Suarez, pretty interesting right now. Edward Cabrera, another two-star pitcher I like this week. He's going against the Blue Jays which is not the worst matchup, and then the Pirates, which is a pretty good matchup. Uh, Got to watch out for the walks there, but he's he's been better about that recently. Andrew Heaney's hasn't been at his best lately, but the overall numbers are still decent enough. Obviously, pitches for the Rangers, who give him tons of support. And his matchups this week at the White Sox, at the Yankees, those are both pretty good. The White Sox are especially bad against left-handed pitchers like him, and the Yankees, of course, are missing Aaron Judge, and their lineup has struggled without him. Johan Oviedo, okay, so I, I put this list together before I saw his most recent start here on Thursday where he gave up, uh, what did he give up, four and runs in four innings or something like that? Yeah, on four and runs on eight hits and four and a third innings at the Cubs is what he did here on Thursday. Still had eight strikeouts in those four and a third innings. And over his previous six starts, Johan Oviedo had a 262 ERA. 
it was with a low whiff rate. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of the underlying numbers didn't really back up Johan Oviedo having a 262 ERA, but nonetheless, he's on a pretty good run right now. His matchups this upcoming week against the Cubs, the same Cubs that he faced today, but, you know, still a pretty weak offense. And then at Miami, an even better matchup. So I think that's, I think Oviedo is an okay choice, particularly in points leagues, if you're looking for to, to cram an extra start in there. Aaron Savale has even better matchups against Oakland, against the Brewers. He's had a very up and down season, more downs than ups actually, but he's capable of giving you six plus when he does have a good start. And then finally, Josiah Gray, who I have very little faith in. And his matchups on paper are good against the Cardinals at the Padres, but those are two lineups that I feel like are still pretty good, even if they haven't uh, scored runs at the rate we expected them to this year. And I just don't have a lot of confidence in Josiah Gray. So that that seems like more of a points league-only recommendation, too. I feel like at some point he's going to come back down to earth. But with the way he's performed so hard, so far, I think you have to stick with Josiah Gray for the two starts. One thing on Josiah Gray, which we didn't point out yesterday, he made a start at the Astros. Four runs over six innings, I think. He threw a sweeper 27% of the time. That was the first time he used it all season. And he threw a lot of them out. He threw... 26 total sweepers so could be something that you know helps take Josiah Gray to the next level hopefully but something to watch well, is it, him. did he was it really distinct from his slider because sometimes sometimes I feel like the classification between the sweeper and the slider however however uh Stackhouse tells them apart it can get confused he still threw a slider 17 percent so they did distribute them yeah. among two different pitches. And I read somewhere was, or saw on Twitter that he acknowledged throwing a new sweeper. He said he wanted to be more like you Darvish and diversify his pitch arsenal. And just, okay. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm looking now at the characteristics of that pitch. It's four miles per hour slower than the slider. It's spin rate is 700 RPM high here. So yeah, it does seem like a very different pitch and hitters were 0 for 10 or I'm sorry, 0 for Hitless and 11 plate appearances against the sweeper. Okay. Just something to watch. I thought it was kind of interesting for Josiah Gray. Single star, star streamer, Scott, I'll quickly run through these names. Louis Varland at the Tigers. Logan Allen, who we mentioned earlier, going up against the A's. And Braxton Garrett, who has pitched very well since, I don't know, about the middle of May, early May. Uh, he's going up against the Pirates. The best hitter matchups for next week, the Padres, Rays, Diamondbacks, Guardians, and Mariners. The worst hitter matchups, Orioles, Rangers, Dodgers, Astros, and the Brewers. With that being said, Scott, mm-hmm. your favorite sleeper hitters for week 13. Well, I want to point out broadly that it was a struggle to find five teams with favorable hitting matchups. I, I don't know what was going on with the schedule, but it seemed like everybody's hitter matchups were just not that great. Um, but I came up with five. A lot of my sleeper hitters don't necessarily come from those five since I wasn't crazy about the matchups anyway. And, uh, you know, usually usually it's more like 10 teams have good hitting matchups and I narrow it down to the best five, you know. But this week it was like three teams had good hitting matchups. Anyway. Uh, Matt McClain, still at the top of the list, basically the third straight week. Got to get that roster rate over 80%. I don't know what's going on. But Matt McClain will keep him up there just because he's Matt McClain. Lane Thomas seems like a great start this week. The Nationals matchups aren't among the best, but they're not bad. They have seven games, which few teams do this week. 
and three of those seven games are against lefties. Lane Thomas has always been a destroyer against lefties, and especially this year, his numbers are ridiculous. Pull him up now. Lane Thomas against lefties, 370 batting average, 1081 OPS. Got to start him this week. Marcelo Zuna's on here again. Brace matchup, sir. Pretty good. Uh, Luke Rayleigh, who you mentioned the Rays have the second best matchups, and five are against righties. So we can expect Rayleigh to play a lot this week. He's had good power and speed numbers all year. Jake Berger does make the list here. The White Sox matchups actually aren't that great, but they're facing three lefties. Of course, he's homered three times in his last two games, and, and his his numbers are at their best against lefties. It's not a, a it's not a like a crazy split lefties righties for Jake Berger, but he's better against lefties. Jake McCarthy's on here, who we talked about earlier. The Diamondbacks have the third base matchups, seven games, all righties. Should be a good week for Jake McCarthy. Gary Sanchez is the lone representative from the Padres who have the best hitter matchups. I'm always hesitant to put catchers on this list because you're not starting a catcher at utility. So how many people are really going to benefit from this recommendation? I don't know. But Gary Sanchez is on it. Uh, Edward Julian's on it just because the Twins are facing one lefty in their seven games. So six times he should bat leadoff. And then a couple of Guardians. Josh Bell, who's picked it up at the plate recently. Guardians have the fourth best matchup. Uh, so Josh Bell and Will Brennan, who has been hot as well. All right. Well, we usually wrap up this segment talking about where to use Otani. Next week, he's in Coors Field as a pitcher. He's got five games as a hitter. Again, three of those in Coors. So I think more often than not, you're going to use Otani as a hitter next week. Let's wrap up with some leftovers here very quickly, Scott. And... Uh, probably could have talked about this earlier and given it a little bit more time. I don't know what else there is to say. Like Aaron Nola, he's inconsistent. He gives up four more runs. He's now given up four plus runs in six of his last nine starts. I can't blame people for being annoyed, Scott. I mean, this is likely your SP1. You drafted him in the second or third round of drafts. And here we are. It's June 16th. Aaron Nola has a 466 ERA and less than a strikeout per inning. Any latest thoughts well i mean the strikeouts have been trending up and he had nine in this one so i i don't think the strikeouts i don't think that's the concern with noel anymore uh what was the number i pulled here earlier over his last oh i didn't write how many starts it was I don't know, something like his last six starts, he has a near 16% swinging strike rate. So like he, sort of like Dylan Cease, except even over a longer span of time, Aaron Nola has has been missing bats at the rate we like to see. It's Lately, it's been feeling a lot like his 2021 season, where all year we were like, everything seems fine here. We don't know what's going on. Uh, he's got to bounce back soon he's got to come out of this and he, he ends up finishing with an era around 450 because it just never happened over the course of that season of course it happened the next season eventually it does normalize but i can't predict exactly when that'll be i don't think he's killing you i'm certainly not in points leagues he's killing you the era is higher than you'd like i mean you look at just like the character in this start he had his whip was basically an even one he allowed seven base runners in six and two-thirds innings he had the nine strikeouts he allowed just one home run so it's not like that was the reason he gave up four runs. I agree it's frustrating. I don't think it's like 
I, I think there are enough underlying reasons to be encouraged. And I don't think that in the frustration, he's like killing you, you know, it's, it's disappointing. It's frustrating, but he's still a must start. I would say. All right. Some other pitching leftovers, Tyler Wells, another quality start six and two thirds, two runs loud with eight strikeouts and 14 swinging strikes. Marcus Stroman leads baseball with 13 quality starts this year. Uh, he was up against the pirates. Nathan Avaldi uh, facing the Angels seven innings of three-run ball with nine strikeouts and 17 swinging strikes for him. Christian Javier, uh, a solid start. You know, six shutout innings, but only two strikeouts. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, Mackenzie Gore, a bounce-back outing, five and two-thirds shutout with four strikeouts at the Houston Astros. Gore, Javier, Avaldi, Stroman, Tyler Wells, anything there? Gore's a two-star pitcher next week. As well, and I'd be, I think I'd pretty much start him. Uh, yeah, Javier has been pretty underwhelming this year, I have to say. I've been, I thought he was the pitcher, I thought he was the non-ace who had the best chance of emerging as an ace. And while he hasn't so much hurt you, it's just been like the strikeouts, the swinging strikes, especially recently. It's all it's just been a little underwhelming. And um I don't know what more to say about it than that. I don't think you're doing anything with him based on that, but it's, you know, I'll just point it out. It's been a little underwhelming. Yeah, the strikeouts in particular, but still a 2.9 ERA and a 1.04 whip. The ratios have been really good, but yeah, we were talking about Javier like a Spencer Strider light in terms of the strikeouts and just hasn't really been there uh, this season. Quick note on Sonny Gray. Uh, He allowed two runs over four innings pitched. That's now two starts in a row where... He was held under 80 pitches. Not really sure why the Twins are kind of limiting him right now. But over his last six starts, he has a 3.82 ERA and a 157 whip. I noticed that you lowered Sonny Gray in your pitcher ranking, Scott. And I Do you think it's possible where somebody could look at the overall numbers and you could still kind of sell high on Sonny Gray? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I don't really. I, I talked about this earlier this year that I don't know how the average fantasy player really approaches that. Do they, do they more look at the game log and say, oh, well, look at what he's been doing recently. I'm going to value him mostly on that. Or do they look at the overall stat line and value him mostly on that? And I, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, I know. I mean, my process, I obviously take things on a day-to-day basis and review the most recent stuff that's happening. So I would tend to value the more recent work, but I don't know that the average player does that. I have no idea. I I think Sonny Gray uh, obviously got off to a very encouraging start and he's kind of looked more like Sonny Gray recently. And the biggest issue is that he just doesn't pitch deep into games with great consistency. This was, I think uh, his second six inning start, no, he went four. I'm sorry. He's had two six-inning starts in his last last eight, which is a problem. Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. Uh, some quick bullpen updates for the Orioles. Felix Bautista recorded the final four outs for his 18th save. For the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell pitched a clean ninth inning for his 10th save. The day before, Kimbrell pitched in the ninth with the game tied, and then it was Jose Alvarado who pitched in the 10th inning and actually picked up the save for the Phillies. For the Angels, Carlos Estevez started the ninth inning with a three-run lead. He walked three batters without recording an out, and he was pulled for Jacob Webb, who picked up his first save of the season. 
For the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan pitched in the eighth with the game tied, facing 9-1-2 in the Astros lineup. He struck out three. Hunter Harvey did get the ninth inning with a one-run lead. He gave up two hits and a run. He took his fifth blown save. And then Carl Edwards would eventually pick up the save in extra innings. I think this is two straight blown saves for Hunter Harvey, Scott. Um, Do you think we're closer to Kyle Finnegan getting the closer role back, or is this just a mess? I think it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they did talk before the season about treating Finnegan more as like a, a fireman, like just high leverage role, no matter what inning it is. Yeah. And so maybe that's all that's going on here more than a transition to Hunter Harvey as the closer, though it does seem like Harvey's gotten the majority of the chances. It's hard to tell because the chances are only so frequent for the Nationals. For the Astros on the other side of that game, Ryan Presley got the ninth with the game tied, and he gave up a solo home run to Cabert Ruiz and was in line for the loss until, again, uh, Hunter Harvey blew it. You know, Ryan Presley, it seems like he's been off the season, 3.49 ERA. It's higher than last year, but if you look at the swinging strike rate and all the ERA estimators, Ryan Presley is just as good as he was last season. So I, I, I was actually surprised to see that when I... Looked a little bit further into him. Uh, for the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A recorded the final four outs for his 21st save. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Friday. And, oh yeah, this was a mess yesterday because there were, there's like a lot of kind of interesting names here. None of them are like amazing, but like Kyle Hendricks against the Orioles, kind of interesting. Tanner Houck versus the Yankees with no Aaron Judge. Yep. Uh, You need nerves of steel to actually start any of these guys, I feel (laughs) like. But I think my favorite might be Julio Tehran against the Pirates. Yeah. And my second favorite might be Taiwan Walker at Oakland with how he's looked recently. I like that too. Okay. Uh, And then I'll I'll put Tanner Houck on the list against the Yankees and, you know, Kyle Hendricks against the Orioles as well. On Saturday... We've got Braxton Garrett at the Nationals. I think that one's pretty good. Griffin Canning at the Royals. I like that one too. And uh, Brian Bayo against the Yankees. I like those three. Garrett, Canning, and Bayo. I would rank them Bayo, Garrett, and Canning, but I agree with the three. On Sunday, uh, oh, Louis Varland up against the Tigers. We can get behind oh, that one. against the Tigers next week too. Wow, a little sneak peek. Yeah, and uh, not really anybody else that I like here. I, you know, Dean Kramer at the Cubs. It's, it's okay, I guess. Varland may be pitching for his job here. Maybe I shouldn't have him as a sleeper pitcher for next week because <laughs> Kenta Maeda is ramping up. I don't know. But anyway, uh, for Sunday, beyond Varland, I don't like any of them. Yeah, me neither. Again, the only other one is a maybe is Dean Kramer, but don't really love that one either. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Old. 
old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.